This is Melange à deux, a Vienna podcast. Herzlich willkommen. Hi, everybody. This is Frau Batsby. Hello, and Herr X in the house. In the house. Uh, so, yeah, we're a little delayed with this one uh, because kiddo seems to be getting sick. He didn't sleep at all Thursday night. <laughs> he woke up at one in the morning. No, he's he's uh, he's a little subdued. Which usually means that he's ill. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like he's on the verge of a fever. I realized when he wasn't eating his Smarties at therapy that he was not doing great mm-hmm. um it always stresses me out because he has epilepsy so fevers are always a little bit dangerous oh, no, he's fine. He's, it, it'll be okay i'm really cool about other things remember when you were looking for your foam roller and kiddo had it and you were like is that chocolate and i was like oh no don't worry that's just blood oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah <laughs> parenting <laughs> i'm calm about those things <laughs> It was the time that he got a nosebleed at night, yeah. and I didn't realize. <laughs> and then uh, you, I came, I asked you to bring a towel, and you were like, "The white ones." I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's new with you? <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I'm very, very uh, capable and able at doing things. Yes, yes. you are. Aside, aside from towels and bloody noses. <laughs> bloody noses. Um, what's new? Let's see. Oh. Um, Oh, are you going to say something? No. No? Okay. (laughs) I'm a little obsessed right now with the mob wife aesthetic that seems to be making the rounds. Well, I thought that was always your aesthetic. That was always my... But now it's like, I'm really on vogue. I'm very excited. I don't wear that much leopard print. You wear just enough. Just enough. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's dark academia, which apparently is another look. I I just feel like you're the style icon for, for... the modern times. That is one of the nicest things you've ever said to me. Yeah. <laughs> Except I have my hobosexual look right now. <laughs> look a little hoboish. That's a with a B. Yes. It's, it's not that you have a cold. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to work on my uh, my two looks for for this year: mob wife aesthetic and dark academia. I described that dark academia to my friends as somebody who's tenured at Harvard but is really hot. <laughs> well, it's a look. All you need is a tenure at Harvard. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, oh, what was the fun fact that we learned about gargoyles the other day? Yeah, which is like, how did we not know this already? So gargoyle it means... It comes from the same root word as to gurgle. Yeah, and well, it's... To gargle. To, gar- right? to gurgle. <laughs> That's the German gurgle <laughs> tests. Um, yeah, gargoyle means the noise that's made in the throat with water. Because yeah. I had no idea... That they would make the sound? Yeah, because they... the gargoyles are the, on churches, so they oh, get right. the water, like their water receptacles to kind of drain it. Ah, and so that's the sound. That's why they always look shocked, though. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, another exciting news, we're going to Naples. We're going to be there in two weeks. Yeah. Napoli. Napoli. I'm so excited. It's the place of pizza. It's my mothership. And seafood. And seafood. And then we're going to go to Pompeii. Which I'm yeah. really excited about. Another thing with shocked looks. Oh no! What? <laughs> well, it's funny because too, <laughs> too soon. Because when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the like Pompeii and all the pictures. I thought it was so amazing. And now, as an adult and a parent, I think it's going to be very traumatizing. <laughs> I think I'll cry. Ah, it was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. You can see Mount Vesuvius. We're going to have our little 
I know White Lotus took place in Sicily, but I kind of feel like it's going to be a White Lotus trip, except safe. <laughs> well, the pizza alone will keep us busy. And the, what is it? Fried pizza. There's and, the fried pizza. And then oh. there's that thing that's like got anchovies inside oh. of it. And then there's the, um, what's it called? The baking soda drink? Open leg. Open leg lemonade? Or? Open leg lemonade. Which... Now they take what? The lemon juice and they put baking soda in it. It starts fizzing. It's meant as a thing to digest after. And you have to drink it with your legs open because you don't want to get your pants yeah. uh, wet. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> it's not an OnlyFans channel. <laughs> Um, and then this weekend is the Zuz, Zuz, I can't speak today, Zuz weekend, which oh, is yeah. pretty it's much my favorite. It's your favorite. Yeah. Take food that we already have in the freezer. It's where Tova beautiful mind stuff from the freezer would be like, okay, I think we're going to make this. <laughs> so today is hamburgers. <laughs> Very <laughs> <laughs> I made it easy for you. <laughs> and then tomorrow will be pastas, which I'm excited about. All right. Well, I guess we'll get started. This is episode 11, uh, Oh, Nikki, You're So Fine, which is all about Austrian racing legend. About Nikki Minaj. Yes, Nikki Minaj. Nikki Lauda. Lauda. Oh, yes. um, so I've been a Formula One fan since I was about 13 years old. I had a Japanese friend who was really into it, and she got me into it. Well, listen, I was not a Formula One fan until I moved here. Yeah. But uh, I did watch, what was the name of that movie? So I, I, I was familiar with Nikki Lauda. Mm-hmm. That was uh, the one thing that I did know. That was the movie Rush, I believe. Rush. Rush, um, which I'll talk about in this as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's, of course, the iconic movie with uh, Sylvester Stallone. Is it Drive or Driven? Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> no offense. We're here. I try to put it in Drive. But... <laughs> Just Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> Um, I could do that for the rest of this. Yeah, you're not doing Sylvester Stallone the rest of this. Oh, oh, shucks. Oh, man. Okay, so Formula One, yes. So I've been a fan for a long time. Um, and I remember once talking with my friend, co-worker. Um, you know who she is. I'm not going to say her name, but she's also a Formula One fan. Mm-hmm. And Office Twin thought we were trolling him one day when we were talking about a race. He was like, there's no way you two watch Formula One. And we were like naming names. And he was he was very upset because we always trolled him. It was like yeah. the time that we made him put eight Altoids in his mouth. Well, yeah, because you, you said what was the record was like six or something. We pretended to have six in our mouths. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, you can't put eight in. <laughs> it's funny. I don't work there anymore. Um, so who is your favorite driver, Formula One driver? Of all, oh well, right now, mm-hmm. uh, no, I, you know, I did like Verstappen until he was uh, winning everything, uh, <laughs> and he became boring. I did like uh, what's his name, Ricardo, because he's always laughing. Yeah, he seems like a lot of fun. Uh, he's always fun. Uh, Hamilton, I didn't like for the same reason because he was winning everything, and uh, he seems to be upset at normal things, thinking that you know, oh, he cut me off, man. Yeah, it's a race. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a race. <laughs> Yeah, I used to uh, watch. Fettel, Fettel was always a fun, fun one as well. Yeah, Fettel. I mean, he was yeah. he was so good. Um, I like. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm totally blanking on the name. Alonso. Uh, yeah. I think that. He, I mean, he's been around forever. I used to watch. I think he's my age. Or he's, a little bit younger. Forty five or something. Something like that. Because I mean, I used to watch Michael Schumacher when he raced for Benetton, mm-hmm. back in the day, and then for Ferrari. Uh, I liked Hakkinen and Coulthard. These are the older drivers. I like Rosberg. I think he's pretty funny. Yeah. He's... uh, he's... They bring him in, uh, Nico, right? Yeah. They bring him in, like, uh, to replace, like, a driver for, like, two races. (laughs) And then he's... uh, Which I think is the ideal. I mean, if you race, like, two races, 
you know, as a Formula One driver, that's a pretty good living. That's a pretty good living. I mean, <laughs> your contract you know what? worker. I'll, I'll be on an island. You need me. <laughs> yeah, come on in. What? You need me for Monaco? Okay. <laughs> okay. No, because we kind of stopped watching it. It was getting a little bit boring. But the race that was that blew us away was the Las Vegas one. Oh, yeah. Because that, that was great. not supposed to be so amazing. And then it just was... Well, it got off to a really tough start because there was a manhole cover that yeah. like, flew into a car. There were so many issues, but that was a great race. I very much enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, okay, so my sources for today, there's a lot. You ready? Yeah. We got wikipedia.com. Oh, yeah. Formula1.com. Forbes.at. It's a German article saying Ein Leben für den Wettbewerb, which means life for competition. Essentially, sports.com. And the title of this is awful of this article three years after his death Nicky Lauda's wife brutally disrespects him to initiate 32 million dollar battle against his own children by Nishé Rathor (laughs) yeah it's okay and then there's um motorsports I mean that's objective journalism right there yeah we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in it Uh, I just had to reference it because I got information from it um then there's motorsportguides.com the title is discovering Nicky Lauda's Vienna by Caroli Mehes. Falstaff.com, titled Tischgespräch mit Niki Lauda, which means... Uh, Table talk? Yeah, look at you. Yeah. Coffee talk. Talk amongst <laughs> yourselves. Uh, filling for Klimt. Filling for Klimt. Uh, Pirelli.com, Divebomb.com, WorldOfYourOwnNASCAR.com. The title is Remembering the Life and Story of Niki Lauda by Reza Molana. Mm. But not the Reza from The Traitors and Shaws of Sunset. Yes, I, I, I waxed poetic yesterday on the... The name Reza. Where how Reza is because the pronunciation of Rida is not very common in... Uh, Rida means happiness. Mm-hmm. So, it's just it's just a long-winded thing. That it's not... It's not table funny. talk. It's table talk. <laughs> With their ex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get started. So, Nikki Lauda was born Andreas Nikolaus Lauda. He was born February 22nd, that's my niece's birthday, uh, 1949 in Vienna, Austria, to an industrialist paper company. So rich, very rich family. His paternal grandfather was well-known industrialist Hans Lauda. Lauda grew up in Salzburg, and at a young age, he wanted to race cars, much to the dismay of his family. His grandfather was apparently shooketh over his plan. They refused to finance his dreams. His grandfather was quoted as saying, Lauda's belong in the business section of newspapers, not the sports page. Uh, they never spoke again after Nikki's decision. Ever? Ever. Really? Yeah. His grandfather. Ooh. Yeah. So it was a... And it was so funny because as soon as I saw that he was born to a rich family, I was like, yeah, that's kind of the norm for most race car drivers yeah. uh, because it is a luxury sport. Uh, but yeah, he was kind of disowned. Oh, that was a dryer. Uh, he decided not to go to university and, quote, against his family wishes, he parlayed family wealth and a life insurance policy into a bank loan that he used his way to buy formula uh, used his way to buy his way into formula one uh with the company march in 1971 a move so bold that lauda admits in later years that it should have never worked (laughs) (laughs) so i think the loan so he had he took out like a life insurance policy kind of to pay for this and that's gambling on yourself you know exactly and And i paid off and I think I read it was about 30000 but I could be wrong. It'd be 300000 I would imagine it would be more, but I don't know about inflation. But wait, you have to buy your way in to get a seat? No, I mean, yeah, kind of, technically. So technically, you would be sponsored by somebody. Right. And he was a no-name guy who right. doesn't have, like, a legacy. He's not a legacy kid. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he pretty much took out a loan, and that's amazing. So, quote... 
Ferrari was in a great decline, and the team was only able to finish sixth in the Constructors' Championship in that season. This is... Oh, sorry, I totally skipped something. Going back. New quote. (laughs) Sorry. Quote, for 1973, he talked his way into a complicated rent-a-ride deal with BRM. During that season, his ever-improving results paid dividends in the form of a new contract that would forgive his debts in exchange for Nikki staying with BRM for a further two years. Hmm. But instead, he bought his way out of BRM with money from his new employer, Enzo Ferrari, for whom he went to work for in 1974. Hmm. End quote. New quote. Ferrari was in a great decline, and the team was only able to finish sixth in the Constructors' Championship on that season. Lauda immediately left his mark on Ferrari on his very first test for the legendary Italian outfit when he bluntly told Enzo that his cars were shit. (laughs) What are you talking about? My car's (laughs) good. (laughs) A move that Lauda would describe to Graham Benziger in an interview in 2017 as the longest 30 seconds of his life. (laughs) Why would you tell an Italian his car is shit? I mean, listen... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, on the on, on on people who are generally prideful people, you know, proud people and happy with. Can you tell? Uh, yeah. You, can you tell like uh, Gucci o Gucci? You know, your fashion sense. Is, you uh, really wanted so to say Gucci o Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gucci o Gucci. Gucci. Oh, that was such a great film. Um, Adam Driver. Um, oh, Driver cars. Yeah. Ah. Um, mini Driver. Mini Driver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Baby driver. Okay, so he had great success with Ferrari and was such a calculated driver that Nikki earned the nickname, quote, the computer. Because mm. he, he was so calculated with his driving and so safe. And Austrian. Austrian, yeah, he was <laughs> very good. Uh, in July 1976, Nikki uh, married Marlena Knaus. She was a model and born in the U.S. with, a Venezuel- with Venezuelan heritage. They met at a party, and although he, although he had been engaged for eight years to another woman, he fell in love with Marlena. This happens all the time. <laughs> You're engaged for eight years, and then he's like, "Actually, <laughs> yeah." Let me let me give a little tip for all the ladies <laughs> listeners out there. If it takes eight years. It's not. It's happening. not happening. No, a guy knows. A guy knows. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, only three weeks after their wedding, the thing happened. So I'm going to talk about the thing. Quote: A week before the 1976 German Grand Prix at the Nurburgring. Even though he was the fastest driver on the circuit at the time, Lauda urged his fellow drivers to boycott the race, largely because of the 23-kilometer circuit safety arrangement, citing the organizer's lack of resources to properly manage such a huge circuit, including lack of fire marshals, <laughs> fire and safety equipment, and safety vehicles, end quote. August 1st, 1976, Nikki Lauda's crash, quote, During the second lap at the very fast left kink before Bergwerk, Lauda was involved in an accident where his Ferrari swerved off the track, hit an embankment, burst into flames, and made contact with Brett Lugner's car, uh, Lunger's car. Sorry, two hundred liters of benzene caught on fire, and he was engulfed. Trapped in his car, Lauda was eventually saved by four drivers whose names are often forgotten: Arturo Merzario, Brett Lunger, Harold Ertel, and Guy Edwards. Mm. Quote: Lauda was trapped in the wreckage. Drivers Arturo Mer. Sario, Lunger, Guy Edwards, and Harold Ertel arrived at the scene a few moments later, but before Merzario was able to pull him from his car, Lauda suffered severe burns to his head and hands and inhaled toxic gases that damaged his lungs and blood. In an interview with BBC Radio 5 Live uh, called I Was There, May 21st, 2019, Nikki Lauda speaks in 2015, sorry, that's a weird quote. Lauda said, quote, there are basically two or three drivers trying to get me out of the car. 
but one was Arturo Merzaria, the Italian guy. He also had to stop there at the scene because I blocked the road, and he really came into the car himself and uh, triggered my seatbelt loose and then pulled me out. It was unbelievable. How could he do that? And I met him afterwards, and I said, how could you do it? He said, honestly, I do not know, but to open your seatbelt was so difficult because you were pushing so hard against it, and when it was open, I got you out of the car like a feather, end quote. Continued quote. Yeah, I mean, amazing. I guess the adrenaline just kicks in. As Lauda was wearing a modified helmet, it did not fit him properly. The foam had compressed, and it slid off his head after the accident, leaving his face exposed to the fire. Although Lauda was conscious and able to stand immediately after the accident, he later lapsed into a coma. While in hospital, he was given last rites, but he survived. So it was that dire. I mean, just amazing. I, I just can't. And these, these drivers, they got medals afterwards, and he stayed well, in contact. That's amazing, because I think uh, in seeing the movie, I didn't even know it was the drivers who really rescued him. You know, they yeah. they were close to the scene, I'm guessing. And they, well, cause he blo- well, I like how Lada said it. He's like, well, obviously, I was, I was blocking the racetrack. <laughs> they had nowhere to go. Can you imagine? No they go. were like, uh, well, <laughs> sucks to be him. So another quote. Lauda suffered extensive scarring from the burns to his head losing most of his right ear as well as the hair on the right side of his head his eyebrows and his eyelids he chose to limit reconstructive surgery to replacing the eyelids and restoring their functionality he really didn't want much surgery done on his face once he was out of his coma his wife fainted upon seeing him (laughs) and they'd only been married for three weeks when this happened Wow, that because that wasn't how it was portrayed also in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was just they were just married. Yeah, they were just married, so only three weeks. So I always remember in the film though when he's putting on that helmet yeah, after yeah, yeah. the accident. It's it, that that scene is like yeah. I was going to say seared into my memory, but that's an unfortunate choice of words. <laughs> but it's just so, in my memory. I think about it a lot. So only forty-two days after his accident, he raced again. He only missed two races. Wow. I mean, absolutely amazing. He could rest a little, but no, no, he was determined. He was determined. I mean, this was, I think he's... He was very close on the points race, I think, mm-hmm. with... Uh, with James Hunt. Mm-hmm. So, quote, appearing at the Monza press conference six, six weeks after the accident with his fresh burn still bandaged, he finished fourth in the Italian GP, despite being, by his own admission, absolutely petrified. Formula One journalist Nigel Roebuck Recall seeing Lauda in the pits, peeling the blood-soaked bandages off his scarred scalp. He also had to wear a specially adapted crash helmet as not to be in too much discomfort. In Lauda's absence, Hunt had mounted a late charge to reduce Lauda's lead in the world championship standings. Hunt and Lauda were friends away from the circuit, and their personal on-track rivalry was intense, was clearly contested and fair. Mm. Which is funny, because I thought they really disliked each other, but I guess, you know, they, they were professionals and then this is what Lauda said about his rival James Hunt who died in 1993 quote Lauda said of Hunt's death quote when I heard he died age 45 of a heart attack I wasn't surprised I was just sad close quote he also said that Hunt was one of the very few he liked one of a smaller number of people he respected and the only person he had envied so Hunt had like severe alcohol issues Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so that led to his early death Remember um, a friend that we know, he wrote a book about football? Yes. He met James Hunt's widow. Yeah. And it was a very funny story. I will not talk about it, but it was a very <laughs> funny story. Um, and then this, this quote kind of made me laugh. Quote, Nikki said the loss of half an ear made it easier to use the telephone. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's the shmee. That's the shmee. Uh, continuing the quote, in consideration of those who found his facial disfigurement unsightly, he thereafter wore a red baseball cap, hiring it out to a sponsor for a hefty fee. Close quote. Huh. Yeah, good for him. So he was, he was the original MAGA hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or like, you know, a really wealthy Phantom of the Opera. Um, so in 1978, Nikki left for Brabham uh, Racing Company. In 1970, or car company, sorry. I don't even know what it is, Brabham. I should have looked that up. Uh, but it's a team. Mm-hmm. In 1979, he would retire after the practice sessions of the 1979 Canadian Grand Prix, citing that he had no more desire to race around or to drive around in circles. Yeah. He was like, uh, not I into mean, it. the Austrian is strong in him. <laughs> yeah, <just> like, you <laughs> know what? <laughs> so about his personal life a little bit here. Marlena and Nikki had two sons together. Luke was born in 1979 and Matthias born in 1981. Matthias became a race car driver and his brother became his manager. Uh, I don't know if Matthias is still racing. Uh, scandal hit in 1982 when it was alleged that Nikki had a child out of wedlock mm. with another lady. Marlena stood by him during that, but in 1991, they divorced. The belief was that she was tired of his extramarital affairs. Ooh. But they actually remained best friends for the rest of his life. Because Europeans. Wait, he was having these affairs while he was completely disfigured with the, uh, with the burns? Do you know how much money race car drivers yeah, make? Yeah, but, but just to let you know, guys, hey, listen, if you're, <laughs> if you're not making it in the looks department. And I think he had a strong spirit. <laughs> he had a personality. He had a personality. Actually, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so during his first retirement, he formed Lauda Air and was actually a pilot for it as well because mm-hmm. he was also a licensed pilot. Quote, in 1982, he signed, so after uh, he went back to Formula One in 82, he signed with McLaren for a reported $5 million, the most lucrative contract in Formula One history. In his negotiations, Nikki told the McLaren money men he was only charging $1 for his services as a driver. All the rest was for his personality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's so honest. Because he's, he's like, listen, I'm way, well past my prime as a driver. You're j- I'm just going to make you money based on, you know. People want to see yeah, me raise. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, he's hilarious. <laughs> So candid. Um, he ended up retiring again in 1985 as a driver for good, but Nicky was always around the paddock. He worked as an advisor for Ferrari, served as a Jaguar team principal, and became a television commentator and received other titles as well. I do remember when I was in the airport, God, this must have been like 2004 or five. I'm not sure exactly. Maybe six. I, there was suddenly like everybody in the airport started acting really weirdly and then it was Nikki Lauda walking down the hallway with all these Lauda air flight attendants like running after him and it was so funny like everybody was losing their mind but they were so respectful because this is Vienna like everybody yeah. was just like watching and like oh, yeah. Nikki <laughs> he was such a celebrity yeah, Vienna is very New York like uh, in that regard when you see like a celebrity yeah. there's this thing in New York where you just be cool about it and, and, and Viennese are also that way yeah you can be cool like I was when I was in Topanga and I saw Renee Seliger's back and I started to cry, <laughs> but I did not approach her. <laughs> um, so, quote, after his final retirement, he would return to the air- airline airline management business, where one of his greatest tales was to be written in 1991. After Lauda Air Flight 004 crashed in Thailand in Thailand's deadliest aviation accident, Lauda personally investigated what caused the accident to happen. After determining that the accident was caused by an uncommanded thrust reverser deployment, Lauda, Lauda personally took on Boeing, 
threatening Boeing to make a statement that it was Boeing's fault that caused the crash to happen. Boeing initially refused to admit that it was their fault, something that history would repeat many years later with the 737 MAX fiasco. Lauda, in true Lauda fashion, would continue to challenge Boeing. He told them that if he wasn't allowed to fly a 767 with two pilots and have the thrust reverser deployed in midair, Boeing had to make a statement saying that the conditions that caused the flight 004 to crash would not be survivable. Boeing eventually admitted fault and issued the statement, something that he would, Nikki would uh, tell Maurice Hamilton in an interview with The Guardian in 2006 as, quote, the first time in eight months that it had been made clear that the manufacturer was at fault and not the operator of the airplane. It was the first time? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think Boeing couldn't say anything about the, the panel that flew off the Alaskan Air. <laughs> yeah, Nikki Loud is like, oh, you guys. <laughs> oh, come on. I thought <laughs> I had this unique thing. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. is like Nikki Lauda was known for his safety. Like he was yeah. truly, and you would see him in interviews watching Formula One and he would talk about like unsafe conditions. He did a lot of things to make sure the, cra- the helmets were better. He was just, he was, I mean, he had gone through a horrible crash. So he was always very much about safety. Um, as I mentioned before, he was a consultant for Ferrari in the 1990s and as team principal of Jaguar in 2001-2002 before getting the role of the non-executive chairman of Mercedes in 2012. Lauda was responsible for the signing of Lewis Hamilton to Mercedes and with Toto Wolff heading the project and Hamilton and Nico Rosberg and later Valtteri Bottas, oh, I also like, he's very funny, as their drivers. So I didn't know he was responsible for the signing of Lewis Hamilton. Hmm. Um yeah, because, I mean, it's so interesting when you see what drivers go through to get to Formula One. Like, they start at the age of five, like, in yeah. little carts and just kind of... Oh, no, it's 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 amazing because you see these old grainy, you know, the, the footage of uh, Lewis Hamilton and these go-karts. Grainy, yeah. there's like the 90s. Yeah. No, no, you know, listen, <laughs> HD really has changed us because now there's Super HD and HD 4K. I know. You, you had, like, you watch, like, an old... Like a late 90s Yankees game. And you're like, oh my God, it looks 70s. I you know? know, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so back to, his, sorry, back to his personal life. In 2008, Nikki married Birgit Wetzinger, who was a flight attendant for his airline. Now, I thought she had been a caterer at Doe & Co. I don't know why I didn't know she was a flight attendant. People like told me that, she, people had different stories, but hmm. she was a flight attendant. Um, they had uh, twins together. I'm not going to talk about them because they're still underaged. We don't talk about husbands and children. <laughs> it's a real housewives of New Jersey rule. No. Mob rules. Today. Mob rules. Yeah. No, I don't want to talk about the, the kids. Uh, quote, on 20 May 2019, Lauda died in his sleep, age 70, at the University Hospital of Zurich, where he had been undergoing dialysis treatment for kidney problems. He'd experienced a period of ill health exacerbated by his lung injuries from the 1976 accident. He had undergone a double lung transplant the previous year in addition to two kidney transplants in years previously. A statement issued on behalf of his family reported that he had died peacefully surrounded by family members, end quote. So he had had a kidney transplant, one from his brother and one from his second wife. Mm. It's crazy. I mean, she gave him a kidney. Well, I guess this factors in later on. Yeah, I'd give you a kidney. Today. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I expect to. Um, apparently during his illness, uh, before he died, his ex-wife and his now widow, they took turns keeping vigil. They mm. were all very close. Like, that's progressive to me. But it's... Yeah, so apparently they just kind of took care of him. 
Nikki Lauda's funeral took place at Stefan's Dome, which is a huge honor for anybody. Um, it was attended by Hamilton, Toto Wolf, President van der Bellen, Alain Prost, who was a driver, Nico Rosberg, Coulthard, Daniel Bruhl, who played him in the film. Mm. He was so good in that film. And Schwarzenegger gave the eulogy. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, one of Nikki's sons placed his helmet on top of his coffin, and thousands of people showed up outside the cathedral. He was, he's considered an oh. Austrian hero. Yeah, right. it makes me emotional. It's uh, incredible. So then, remember I read that title of that really awful <laughs> thing about his yeah, yeah. <laughs> widow? So the aftermath. According to one article, his widow is fighting his will. His estate is approximately worth $32 million, and she currently receives about 21000 a month. She gave him a kidney. But 21000 a month. I mean, she gave him a kidney. You could live like a, like a king in 21000 a month. And Here, yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, I mean, the whole thing. I just find that really sad. And I, I, well, who, well, how big is the family? It could be, you know. I mean, he's got two sons from a previous marriage, and he's got the two kids... From this marriage, and then I kid or two somewhere else. I don't know, but no, I don't. I didn't really want to. It just I happened to fall across that article, and it bothered me because I'm like, oh, just let the man rest in peace, and let her deal with her trauma. Who knows? He might have given like eighty percent of his wealth to some charity, and she's like, no, 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 bring it back, bring it back. So <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, from all accounts, she seems well, what's lovely. What's the, the, the headline? Yeah, that was a horrible thing. Yeah. Like <laughs> dishonors him. I'm like, I don't think he cares. But no, from all accounts, she seems lovely. Um, and then your favorite person, quote, Toto Wolf. <laughs> you don't like him. <laughs> so evil. <laughs> he's not evil. Actually, he's like, he's like the, the, the bizarro Nicky Lauda. Because he was also fairly wealthy. And then he bought his way into Mercedes. But he wasn't wealthy. But that, no, but that, so this is the funny thing. If you, if you guys want to have an interesting read, go on Wikipedia and type in Toto Wolf. It's amazing. And it's like, he was born to a mother who was a doctor his father also, I mean, a, an upper middle class family, Yeah. right? Then he decides to race cars and then he stops racing cars and then he buys Mercedes. Okay, there's something, <laughs> something. And he didn't even, he wasn't racing F1. He was racing like F3 and below. And then all of a sudden, eh, I'm going to buy Mercedes. Okay, well, what happened? He yada yada at his Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> There was probably a lot of detail, and he was like, no. I'm going to do that when I go buy something from, like, Louis Vuitton. I'll be like, I walked into the store, and now, long story short, I got three purses. <laughs> yada, 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 yada. I got yada. a Birkin. I got a Birkin. <laughs> you yada, yada. Yeah. There was something. Something that happened. that happened in between, but, yeah, long story. Uh, so, quote from Toto Wolf. Um, After all these years, we still miss Nikki a lot. He always manages to come up with super simple solutions to complex problems and keep them simple. If he were here, I have to figure out what to say and how to act. We've both been very effective when we deliberately simplified a situation as much as possible, and sometimes it pays off right away. But there are so many different details. That is the weirdest quote ever. I didn't read that properly before. <laughs> he, he kind of praised himself, too. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's Toto. It's Toto. Um, so then... Where did Nikki Lauda hang out in Vienna? Because he lived a lot in Ibiza. He had a place in Salzburg, and he also was in Vienna. Mm-hmm. I think because his kids were younger and going to school here. Um, he could often be seen driving his green Jaguar around the 19th district. His favorite place for breakfast was at the Imperial Cafe at the Imperial Hotel. This is a great quote from an article. This is so good. Quote, 
When Nikki was living in Vienna, he used to come here, the Imperial, every day for breakfast. He used to arrive at 5 minutes to 7 a.m. and make a few quick phone calls. If the door was not open by exactly 7 a.m., he would begin to tap on his watch. (laughs) (laughs) He would always sit at the same place in the corner and almost always eat the same breakfast. A soft-boiled egg in a glass, bread and butter, a vina melange, melange, and yogurt with apple and raspberry. Occasionally, he would have bacon and eggs. (laughs) I love the tapping on the. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like my German grandfather. I think I'm becoming Austrian. Yeah, now. <laughs> the number of times we have shown up like three minutes before a restaurant opens and we yeah. just are like ready to go. Um, there's also the Lauda breakfast that you can have at the Imperial Hotel. So now we have to go and have breakfast there one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he loved Wiener Schnitzel. He often went to Fahrwirt. Fa- um, that's the place that we went. Remember when I did the tram? comedy show stand-up thing (laughs) tour guide we went afterwards for dinner yeah that's Favelt so he used to go there and it was around the corner from where he used to live he also loved the Doe and Co in the first overlooking Stefan's Dome he loved the Tafelspitz at Pluhuta which is your fave one of your faves and when asked in an interview if he liked red or white wine he said neither he would only drink beer and sparingly he wasn't a big drinker Mm. Um, again, I highly recommend the movie Rush with Rush Daniel Brühl. Um, that, that scene with the, with the helmet alone is like... Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Nikki was a three-time Formula One world champion with more than 171 races, 25 victories, 54 podiums, and 24 pole positions. And he is buried at the Heiligenstadt Cemetery in Vienna. Yeah. Just yeah. get on 71? No, 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 Heiligenstadt. It's a different oh, cemetery. Oh, different one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heiligenstadt. Oh, yeah, yeah. The holy, uh, the holy town. The holy, holy city. city. Yeah, so there you have it. Absolutely incredible. It's the other way. What you want to do is you want to get on the U4 and you take that to Heiligenstadt. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll go check out that cemetery. You can't miss it. It's right at the end. <laughs> it's got the Karl Marx Hall, this very famous uh, subsidized housing thing. We've seen it before. Subsidized housing in the 19th. Yeah, that's the great thing about Vienna is they yeah, have subsidies everywhere. everywhere because it's this idea of creating a more even society. Egalitarianism. Egalitarianism. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. Well, so, it is Karl Marx uh, Square. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's actually a very famous uh, place. We should go check it out one day. Mm. Otherwise, that's about it for Nikki Lauda. Absolutely fascinating character. No, fantastic. And... Um... A real hero, and we've flown in uh, Lauda Air. We have. And uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. Is it still around? I didn't... I think it's still around. It's still around, yeah. It has to be. I've always liked I've always liked Lauda Air. Anything but Ryanair. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> what was it the other... The flight where... I think was, was it Malaga? It was a flight going to the Canary Islands. Oh, no, that was a recent one. That was the, the guy who was the dragged guy, off. In by, a headlock. By the Portuguese. By Portuguese police. <laughs> Was diverted to Portugal. That was absolutely amazing. No, it was when we landed, I think, in Malaga, and we were on the tarmac to like disembark. Yeah. And then I looked over at the Ryanair flight, and they put this rope across, and people have to stand on the staircase off the plane waiting for a bus because yeah. they could only do one bus at a time. And I'm like, no, we're an Austrian Airlines family. Ryanair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I don't know how they do it. 
I don't know. I think they were going to charge for bathrooms at one point. I know my father refuses to ever take Ryanair again. That was <laughs> it's like school bus seats, and then it's like... Oh, that was the one with the scratch-off tickets. Yes. <laughs> the, 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 the flight attendants all start clapping in unison, and they're like, everybody, you know what time it is. It's scratch-off time. And we just laughed and laughed. <laughs> and we bought six. No, we didn't buy any, but it was hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess we're going to... This is a bit of a shorter one, because also... Kiddo seems to be a little bit under the weather, and I have to go oh, into... No, he's, he's a bit grumpy right now. Nah, yeah. he's, he's, he sounds okay. Well, off to the pharmacy to, to get some more supplies. I know, before it closes at noon. Yep. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we're going to have one more episode next week, and then we're going to be taking a break for a couple weeks because we're going to be in Napoli. Yeah, you know, we, we're going on vacation to Naples. Very exciting. And then, uh, yeah, also I asked on Instagram and Facebook for suggestions. I got some great ones. Thank you, everybody. Um, one friend suggested Fritzel, but I think I might not do Fritzel. <laughs> it's a terrible story. <laughs> but, but thanks. Thanks, friend. <laughs> who's, uh, who's about to be released? I know. Absolutely Can you imagine, crazy. like, you're at the Billa and then you're the guy online and with those eyes? I'm uh, sure the eyes are still there. I'm sure the eyes are still there. That's just, I can't believe he's getting out. Ah. Awful. Yeah, but we will be covering at one point Jack Unterweger, which was Vienna's like famous serial killer. That's oh yeah, that that that's a story. That, uh, that, a story. that unfortunately I know a lot about, so I wouldn't be as surprised. Yeah, but I might find some new information. I'd be like, he liked Tafelspitz at Plakuta. <gasps> Get out. <laughs> um, yeah. Once again, thanks everybody for the reviews. We are I I'm absolutely amazed how many downloads we're getting. Yeah. Keep on listening. Keep on praising us. Five stars, please. Uh, for pictures, please check out Frau Batsby Instagram. Uh, anything else you'd like to add, Sir X? No, no. The days are getting longer. The sun is shining on a cold winter on morning. On a cold winter morning. But, uh, <laughs> and uh, shout out to whoever's uh, responsible for this lovely weather. Uh, because uh, this winter has been like without clouds, which in Vienna is very rare. Yeah, we even have that sun lamp at the ready in case. Yeah. Uh, also take your vitamin D. That'll help. All right. So no seasonal... Effective? Uh, Effective disorder. All right. Yeah, you associative. Sad. Sad. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. (laughs) Have a great weekend still. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao. Bye.